0: Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. Earlier in the year, the Tillage Edge visited a number of tillage farmers who were involved with the Signpost Farm Programme to get an idea who the farmers are and how their farm is developing. Sustainability and minimising the impacts of farming on the environment, indeed encouraging farm practice to enhance the environment, is at the heart of this programme. To date, we have visited farms in Tipperary, Wexford and Kildare, And today we'll visit Vincent Mackin's farm in Mead with his advisor, Shane Kennedy. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome to the podcast. Vincent, can I come to you first? You're farming in Mead at the moment, but maybe you might give us an outline of your farm structure, what's owned, what's leased, and how fragmented your farm is. And finally, what sort of rotation are you running on your farm at the moment?
1: Well, I'm farming uh, a little over 200 acres. Uh, Most of it is owned. Uh, I own about 150 it's not that fragmented. All all the land I, I, I farm, even the, the higher work or the crops I look after for guys, it's, it's all within uh, two miles. The rotation, the crops, I, I would say I used to be sort of a, a continuous cereal guy. But uh, I'm moving away from that the last uh, couple of years. Now I'm sort of in spring beans, winter wheat, winter barley, icy rape, and maybe winter wheat again. So that's that's the that's the main things. I do work with a, a mate of mine. He has a 50 acre farm and he gives me a good good help when uh, busy times.
0: And in terms of your rotation, you talked about there a second ago, is that something you're evolving around or do you have something pretty fixed in your mind that right around seven year rotation or a five year rotation?
1: It's in progress of farming an idea of what I want to do. The heavy ground up here is suited probably more to winter cropping. I'm tying with the idea of putting in some winter winter oats there. Winter oats can be a good a good uh, spot for uh, having winter barley after after winter oats. But winter barley always seems to get that graveyard shift. So no, it's not fixed, and uh, uh, I can't say I know exactly what I'm going to do. I have some ideas. Yes, well, as they
0: say, we learn a little every year, uh, kind of thing. And 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 you mentioned there, you have um, quite heavy soils in 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 your part of the world, and they're more. You mentioned they're more maybe suitable to uh, winter crops. Do you have a handle on the fertility of of those kind of soils as well? And I suppose really am thinking about, um, you know, um, the 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 pH, the P's and K's type level in it, but also then. Is that relatively okay then for, for, for spring cropping?
1: The pH is, is, is reasonably good. A lot, of, a lot of it is up close to 7. There wouldn't be much of it over 7. Uh, I would be certain liming ground if it dips on the six, 6.5. It does hold on to the nutrients. So there's good nutrient retention. Uh, it ho- holds on to the, the, the nitrogen and the peas. And uh, uh, of course... Uh, It holds on to the water as well. So (laughs) in wet weather, you can get a lot of runoff. But this year, this year suited be great,
0: though. And given the fact that you you mentioned that you have that very heavy soil and it can get runoff, I think you're, am I right in saying, you're in a mintil-based system? How does that suit your system? Are Are you finding it difficult or you kind of bed it in and it's going pretty well for you at the moment?
1: There can be difficulties with it. As regards, if you get in a very wet autumn, uh, getting a crop sold. But uh, I suppose I've learned a bit of patience the last few years. I've made a few mistakes as well. If uh, if I don't get sold, I, I the spring cropping has done very well for me, which was surprising. I think maybe the weather pattern suited it because of the heavy ground. Uh, ground seemed to dry up very quickly in the springtime the last few years. It did. It did. It did well the spring. Spring. Spring beans and.
0: The spring barley did well okay and and, and again that's in a mintill based system rather yes. than a plow is it or
1: yes. did you the way to move away the, from the, the plow the spring cropping would be on a mintill basis uh the winter the winter crops i'd be more or less just disc in it and rolling it and then spraying it off sown into that uh in the springtime i'd nearly always run the the tine harrow through it to get a little more depth just to give the spring barley a uh, better chance Shane, you're um, Vincent's
0: advisor for some time now um, and you, you're, you're obviously known quite well. Just how, uh, how similar would Vincent be to farmers, you know, in his area in, in terms of the farming system that he's running?
2: Yes, Michael. Well, as Vincent mentioned, his he- soil type is predominantly heavy clays. And um, so that's quite similar to the, the farmers I work with in, in Loudmead and, and Dublin. A lot of heavy clays and there's similar challenges with that in terms of the workability of the soil at certain times of the year. And but there's also similar benefits to that soil, that there's great body in the soil. It's high yield potential soil and it's it's great for winter cropping, winter cereals in particular. Um, so there's similarities that way. Um, he is slightly different in that the, the majority of farmers in the region would be plough based because the plough can be more forgiving on on that type soil type. In challenging years, but um Vincent has has managed to convert to mintel, and he's doing it very successfully now. Um And he's not too rigid either. It's not, you know, he he's not afraid to do an extra pass of a disc or an extra time harrow if it needs to be. Or he, he hasn't even he hasn't sold a player yet either. So he, do, I don't think he's done any player in the past year or two. But he has, uh, he he uses it when he needs to, um maybe for certain grass weed control or or something like that. So it's the flexibility that puts them apart that, um, you know, he's open to, to different ideas.
0: Okay. And just thinking of that, and, 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 and by the sound of you, you certainly know Vincent's firm in and out reasonably well. And when you're thinking about that, is there any particular areas in particular that you think Vincent should be, you know, particularly proud of and how he, how he runs the firm, but then on the flip side, then, if you're th- to think about it, are there a couple of areas which you think, or you maybe you've identified jointly together that could be improved?
2: it kind of comes back to the the fact that he doesn't rigidly follow any particular program he judges each each uh, year by year and case by case as regards pesticide use he's, he adopts a lot of the integrated pest management practices um and he's trying to move away from the the prophylactic approach of of uh, of just using a set program of sprays regardless of the risk that exists so an example would be um with aphytes in the autumn on, on Winter Barley. Um, you know, he doesn't just necessarily always spray aphicide. He will um he'll assess his sow and day at risk and he he you'd often find him doing aphid counts to um to see if the, the load is there. And you know, he, he may use it then and more often than not, he may end up using it, but at least he's monitored or he's assessed the risk. And then an important part is he follows up and monitors the effectiveness of that application. Um, and last year he left a, a a small length of a tram line unsprayed with aphoside and went to barley. And it was a great demo to show groups because he could really see where the, the BYDV infected the crop, where it was unsprayed versus where it was sprayed. So it justified that spray. So that was one area that's that, that type of stuff. The IBM is, is something I should be proud of. And, um, Areas to improve? Well, I would say that when the, the local Jagish ASAP advisor um, came out to visit us, uh, we learned a bit about the, the, the pressures that are on water quality and um, in the region. And because of the heavy soils in County Mead, um, not all of it now, but in parts of county, most of the county meat, it's heavy soil. or low risk for nitrate nitrate lesion, but they're kind of higher risk for phosphorus runoff. So that's the that's the target, really, to reduce phosphorus runoff from the land. And I suppose the Mintil helps with that, but um, we, Maeve, who is the asset advisor, she identified some critical source points, you know, due to the topography of the land and the location of the drain. Maybe we could do a bit more there, and we're talking about maybe increasing the the buffer strip from up from the mandatory two meters to a greater width at that point, or maybe even planting a hedge to catch any sediment.
0: Vincent, can I bring you back in there? And, and again, just to pick up on that point about uh, that Shane was talking about in terms of very heavy land. um, And you mentioned that it's, it's heavy, hard to work, but on the other side, very retentive for um moisture and it gives big yields. And, you know, running through the year, I think I was talking to you earlier on in the year, you were saying that, um, you did get big yields out of your out of your wheats, especially. Do you or are you tempted to maybe switch back a little bit more to growing wheat, given that you're
1: getting big results? I'm not tempted. I think sort of the time for continuous cereals is, is coming to an end. Different reasons for that. I thought the yields were falling off a little. Maybe we're not able to control septoria and winter wheat so much as good as we used to. Different things with winter barley, um, early sowing. If I have to go early all the time and sowing wheat and barley early, well, there's problems with that. The other aspect too, which has only raised its head this year, is uh, the price of fertilizer. A lot can be done as a saving, uh, not using so much nitrogen on oilseed rape and in particular beans. Obviously, beans doesn't get any nitrogen, but um, uh, fertilizer in general. Like, uh, I had a very good crop of beans this year. Uh, I was surprised I would yield yielded about three ton. tons. Wow. But what is more surprising when you do the figures on it as regards the amount of fertilizer that you have to use on, say, uh, winter wheat, if some guys might be going up to 180 units and comparing that with uh, beans that difference can be 250 300 euro an acre Uh, and then of course the wheat will carry nitrogen into the following crop as well so um that it's massive like you know and if you have three ton of beans at 325 euro that's and then the 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 subsidy on it that's getting you way over a thousand euro maybe close to 1100 now i know you won't always get three ton but um if you add in the, 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 the cost, the uh, uh, nitrogen, let's say comparing the nitrogen usage and fertilizer usage to winter wheat, that's another 300 euro. So it's sort of, I didn't think it'd stack up, but it does stack up. Of course, the price of rape too is a crop that used to be sort of risky, but it's less risky now. And the price seems to be good. So things have sort of gone against the continuous side, continuous cereal side, and the break crops seem to be more feasible. And you when you talk about risk. those,
0: when you talk about those break crops, Vincent, obviously, great or beans, does the ability to use alternative herbicides around grass weeds and that kind of thing, um, come into your decision, I suppose, especially where, you know, mental systems can, um, uh, I suppose be, uh, grass weeds can be more problematic in those systems.
1: Yes, it can. We do have, uh, we used to have a problem with bromes, um, but, um, not really anymore. I think the spring cropping cured that problem, really. Maybe, maybe uh, no matter what kind of rotation you have, maybe to have a spring crop in there somewhere is a good idea. As well as that, w- recently we've had a problem with uh, Italian ryegrass and can't get Axial to control it, can't get Pacifica to control it. So I think in that situation, the best option would be to go with Issaid Rape and hopefully uh, Astrocarb. To do a job on it it's not a massive problem but it could get very much out of control yes uh the, the grass weeds are a problem until if you if you uh, if you don't try and keep on top of them yes
0: okay so it's all it's all, it's all part of the, the the complex decision to 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 keep including some of those uh, break crops and in you're including all and right can i can i convince just in terms of um, straw chopping are, are, have you available at all in the last couple of years just thinking again about um, you know increasing organic matters in your soils and that kind of thing. D- did you avail of it, or is your market too good to, to, to do
1: that? Uh, no, I did avail of it. I chopped I chopped um, over fifty acres of straw this year, winter wheat straw. The rape straw was chopped, and of course the bean straw was chopped before the price of fertilizer went up. But like a good crop of wheat and straw, just the fertilizer value of it was probably worth about twenty five euro. So mm. that's shot up to maybe treble that. I'm not sure. And the cost of the subsidy, 100 euro to, to chop it. But now there is a cost, uh, especially those heavy crops of wheat and straw. They can be difficult to incorporate in. And you might need a bit more nitrogen the following year. Sure. But all in all, I think them, it's well worth chopping it. There's other benefits in, uh, uh, like as you say, saying, organic matter and maybe other little things that it helps the soil. But Heavy crops do take a year or two to feed back in, into crop yields, though. Yeah,
0: sure. And, and and have you found any difficulties incorporating that back
1: into the soil in your system? If it was a very heavy crop, uh, it can be. Yes, I, I have a, a heavy disc and it took two deep runs of the disc to get it mixed in. And it's still not mixed in perfect, you know, uh, right. like the crop was was 4.7, 4.8 tonne of wheat. It seems that when you get up to that amount of straw, it can be a little problem, like a four ton crop of wheat and straws. Is, it's is not so bad, like, you know, but once you get higher, it's, it's, it can be a problem. A lot of stuff to get rid of. I know what you mean. Yeah.
0: Shane, can I, can, can I bring you just back in for a second? Um, in terms of Vincent's system that, that, that he's using, and you mentioned already the fact that he's, um, you know, very much involved in making decisions around integrated pest management and reducing what he can. But in terms of the overall system, how would you describe his system? A, a medium or a high input system or, or or what how do you think that kind of fits?
2: I would say he's probably in around a medium input system. Maybe kind of previously he was continuous series and it probably was a high input system, but now with the rotations and um and uh, just kind of challenging generic recommendations that he does, he's got a good he's got a good uh, knowledge of chemistry and agronomy and so he's he, he, there's a, always a good rationale behind what he uses so i think he has moved more to a medium input system in terms of pesticides and and fertilizer as well and it wasn't it wasn't hard to move to that anyway last year with the price of fertilizer but i think the, i think that's part of his plan into the future is to try and use a bit less but in a sensible manner you know without increasing the risk too much
0: Okay. And when you're talking about that and you, you, you kind of broaden that out maybe a little bit further to the, the, the entire environment around Vincent's farm, um, are there areas that you think maybe could, or good maybe on one side of it, but maybe could do a little bit of um, improvement or progress to be made in, in some of the, some areas?
2: Myself and Mark Plunker, we took some samples, biomass samples from Vincent's farm last, last winter. We took some samples of oilseed, the oilseed rape that he had growing around Christmas time. And we looked at the amount of nitrogen that was in the biomass of the leaf and the root of that rape. And there was up to 200 kilos a hectare of nitrogen in that oilseed rape. And that kind of uh, really opened our eyes to the potential of the heavy clays to hold on to nitrogen and release it back into a growing crop. Um, And I think the fact that he had planted the rape in August the crop was actively growing during a, a milder part of the year, and it took up all a lot of that nitrogen that was not knocking about. You know, it had, a bit, had been a dry year before that, so maybe the the previous cereal didn't mop up all the nitrogen. So, um, yeah, more use of a of a winter crop like that to to utilise that nitrogen. <clears throat> um, it's no, it's not going to leach. It's not as high a risk of leaching, I suppose, as some of the sandy or soils. But it's great to use it in winter rape. That you can definitely, if you can keep the pigeons off it reduce your nitrogen application next season that's something that he did we had a discussion about in the in the springtime we looked at the green area index and we just had a discussion about how much nitrogen to to apply and um definitely saved on it and he did some experiments where he applied a little bit less in spots and i don't think the the yield difference was huge at the end of it so that's using that free nitrogen i suppose is a is a big thing
0: Vincent, can I just ask you a final question? Uh, And it is around that kind of similar point as well, because again, the same post-farm program is really around, um, you know, reducing our environmental impact and I suppose indeed maybe increasing the um, biodiversity on farms. If you look around your farm, do you see areas where you can improve, you know, whether it's whether it's the, the hedges or the, 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 the poor corridor that might, might need attention on one side, but maybe if you left it alone, it might be um, something that's good for, for, for biodiversity on the other.
1: I suppose I do have an interest in soil as regards feeding the soil and trying to um, feed the biology in it with, with different cover crops and different, different things. And, uh, and the straw chopping too will feed that.
0: Okay, so there's a number of areas you, you, you've kind of marked out in your head that um, you won't be idle anyway. There's lots of areas that you can work on and kind of uh, work towards uh, minimising your impact and, and maximising the the, the the overall health of your farm.
1: Yes, I suppose, yes. And i would be trying to, as regards the, the, the soil, I'd be doing as much as I can to hold on to what I have, um, even even doing cover crops after winter barley, just to hold on to any notion that might be there. And... Um, spraying off those cover crops and that green matter can feed back into the soil over the winter and feed the soil bacterial soil biology
0: okay that's great vincent listen vincent thanks very much for your time i'm really delighted you could join us and look we'll, we'll be back chatting to you in, in hopefully a few months time again and the same to you shane thanks very much for your, for your time for joining us on the podcast thank you michael thank so, you so that's it for this week and my thanks to vincent and shane for joining me on the podcast There are just a couple of areas I want to mention before I sign off today. In order to understand the aspects of the podcast which are most appealing and beneficial to you, I would greatly appreciate if you could take three to four minutes to complete the survey. The details of this are in the podcast notes. As mentioned in previous podcasts, the Crops Forum is on today, Thursday, September the 8th in the Kilishi Hotel, Nace. If you are planning to attend, please register at chogas.ie forward slash events. And if you missed the event, you can catch up on the Chagas YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Chagas Crops. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast and I recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, review and follow on Apple Podcast or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.